I think of this past trip, and I'm just really thankful to be able to share with you and, and celebrate together what the Lord has done. Um, thanks for your prayers, for your encouraging support. Um, we really felt it and appreciate it. We don't feel like we're going over there just by ourselves, but we have um, you standing with us. Um, the Lord gave us opportunities to have um, some really good times with individuals, with families, with our three Macau churches. One of the first things we did in the midst of jet lag, and, and Paul and I didn't even fall asleep in the, going to a Bible study the second night we arrived, and this Bible study included mature Christian, um, a brand-new Christian, and a husband of a Christian lady who um, was also the brother of a, the mature Christian. And he, you know, he has his doubts about Christianity. And, and here's his niece, his 14-year-old niece, witnessing to him in this Bible study. And, and this new believer saying, oh, I haven't been baptized yet, so when you ask me if I'm a Christian... What do I say? You know, he said, I don't think I can say I'm a Christian yet. And, and his wife said, well, do you believe that Jesus died for you when he died on the cross, that he paid the penalty for your sins? He said, well, yes, I believe that. She said, well, then you can call yourself a Christian. Yeah, you, can, you need to be baptized, but you're a Christian. And so, I mean, all of this was going on in this Bible study. It was really exciting. So we didn't fall asleep one bit. Um, later... We went over to Hong Kong, and Paul got to preach to the joint um, worship service of how many churches? Does, 14 uh, churches within the conservative Baptist movement there in Hong Kong. And once a year, they come together to worship the Lord together, and they this year they invited Paul to be the, the preacher. And uh, it was exciting. The theme was on missions, so that was right up Paul's alley. And uh, had a very good response. And we invited um, to that worship service our eight pastors from the mainland who were coming for the training. We usually have the training up in the mainland, but this year, because of the, uh, the joint service coming just one day before the training was to begin, we invited the pastors to come down. And um, after the service... Paul got us all together um, in a circle. We sat down and just listened to the ones who've had some visits by the authorities and to see how they're doing spiritually. And um, it was exciting to see their strong stance in the Lord. And they're moving on. They're not letting this phase them one bit. So I know you guys were praying for them, too, earlier this year. So that was exciting to see. During the... The five days of the training, this uh, China Ministry Society that Paul is head of, CMS, really wanted to talk to these pastors to challenge them with the idea that instead of the CMS providing training not only for them three times a year, but also for their elders and deacons and their uprise, uh, upcoming leaders, other times during the year, wanted to challenge them that they, as pastors, take over 
that ministry of training their elders and deacons. And um, it was a process through the week to see, you know, what are you thinking? Fear, you know, can we do it? Time, do I have time to include this to to prepare, you know, a big a study for to teach the, the elders and deacons of our churches to uh, serve the Lord well and but they they rose to the challenge. They're taking the baton and going on. So I mean, this is a process, like I say, that will continue on uh, throughout this coming year too, as as we bring them back for as we get together for more training with them and prepare them to be teachers as they already are, but to be in a more formal way. And um, I think of if you had the opportunity to teach. You always learn more, don't you, than if you're just sitting in the class. Um, it seems like as, as a teacher, this will help them uh, mature even more in their serving the Lord. Um, the last thing I'd like to share with you is the Macau churches are talking about coming, sending a team to our church this coming summer. They have tentative dates. August, around August 5th through the 15th. They have some people who are interested. Nothing is lined up for sure, but they are working on it step by step. And it's exciting to see uh, what's happening and to hear different ones talk about it, different families talk about, you know, this is an opportunity for us and, um, and for our family and for our kids. So we'll see how this develops, but be, be thinking about what are we going to do with this short-term team that comes from the highest populated, the highest density of population in the world to our community. There are all kinds of things we could do that they'll never get to do there. So this is exciting to see the Lord leading. Let's see. I think that finishes up the report. Thanks again for your prayers. Good morning. It is a privilege to be able to be here, and I really am sorry that Gary got sick. Uh, He called me in desperation because he was holding out uh, to try to be able to come, but he just couldn't handle it. He was running to the bathroom, letting it all out. Uh, so he was, he was uh, in a bad situation this morning, and he is very uh, concerned for each of you, wanting, praying for you, and his heart is here with us, we know, and uh, we're praying for him that uh, the Lord will be merciful in his life and give him quick healing here. This morning, uh, it is a privilege, one, to be able to speak in English, because I've been speaking in Chinese for many weeks, and... Uh, just praise the Lord. It's just amazing that the Chinese is still there and it still comes out. I was in one of my uh, assignments was to preach or to teach for nine, nine and a half hours one day at Macau Bible Institute. And I did that. And the Chinese came out all day long. It's just amazing. Uh, just thank you for praying for us. And it's as uh, God is so faithful, faithful as he who calls you will also bring it to pass. So that is uh, something uh, we want to thank you for your a part in praying for us and helping us. Uh, this morning, I'm encouraged to see a new change in the auditorium here. 
So maybe every time I come back or come in here, there will be a, a difference in the, the auditorium, what it looks like here. That's pretty cool. Uh, this would not happen in Chinese church. They're very traditional. That, uh, so when they come here, they'll get a little experience of us Americans, uh, what we're doing here. And uh, my message this morning, as you can imagine, I heard about 8, o- eight o'clock that uh, Gary needed somebody to help preach, so uh, I've been working on it for a full hour. And, uh, <laughs> and so I want to uh, share with you this morning out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And I, ha- I preached a sermon over in Macau, and I thought, well, I can just bring out the computer, warm it up, and uh, preach the sermon, that sermon to you. But as I look through it, I don't think that's no, not appropriate. It, it won't, it's not a good, good match for us for today. So I, I've been working on this in my personal quiet time the last few weeks. So today you're going to get some of the thoughts that I've been having in my quiet time uh, as I ride the airplane from one place to another. And the context that I'm going to be speaking in and thinking about here is the one of small groups. So think when, I, when we're going through this passage of the concept of small groups. In this church, we call it life group. Uh, there is fairly popular all around the United States, actually around the world, uh, in our ministries over in Macau, China, uh, Hong Kong, the, and down the Philippines. They have similar things going on that people are getting into small groups within the church. They have a, a large group meeting like this where they worship together and then they break into small groups because they're trying to achieve a principle, and that is where we try to be, become intimate with one another, and we have intimacy where we can share our personal feelings, our personal fears uh, with one another, our strengths, our weaknesses, our victories, our failures, where we can share that because we'll never do that uh, in a great depth uh, here in a large group, but in a smaller group we could. And the principle behind this idea of intimacy or maybe mutual accountability goes back to the one another passages in the, the New Testament. There are many, many, many passages where it says to love one another, to help one another, to do things for one another uh, in the New Testament. So that's why uh, most churches are trying to get uh, the church members into smaller groups uh, to be able to more fully live out these one another passages and achieve this, this uh, goal of intimacy here. So when we come to passage, this passage in Galatians chapter 6, then it's within that context that I want to place this. And now you can know for sure, I, I believe, that I have only been preparing since 8 o'clock, okay? So I don't have an agenda uh, today. I'm not thinking of any person here in this congregation at all. Uh, just rest assured, you can go to sleep if you want. No, don't worry that uh, there's no one in my mind that I'm preparing this for. It's just, I've just been working on this in my personal quiet time. I feel like it's something significant. Uh, the Lord's been leading me through. I want to help, help this out, out in China as well as, well as here. So uh, today as we get into this uh, passage, then it's a familiar passage with us, but uh, let's work on it together and see what the Spirit of God does in our midst. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being together. Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Lord of the church, you are the head of the church, and you are our head, you are our Lord right now. And we do humbly come before you. We bow our knees in your presence. Thank you that you allow us to worship you. Thank Thank you that you allow us to use music 
use various methods to come before you to express thankfulness out of our heart, praise to our lips, and then it is our great desire that we glorify you, allow your glory to come in and through us to just flow right out to you, Lord Jesus. And today, this morning, we bring all of this before you. We do desire that your name will be exalted, Lord Jesus. We desire that your church will be blessed, and we desire that we might walk in the power of the Spirit of God. That uh, today, the things that are shared, the things we sing, that we do, that it all might be done through your power and, and for your glory and for the good of one another. Lord Jesus, this morning, we open ourselves before you. Have your way in me. Have your way in each individual here this morning. And may you be honored, and may the word of God be exalted, and may we draw closer to one another uh, because of this, this experience and uh, humbling before your word. Father God, we pray these things in the powerful name of your dear Son. Amen. Uh, my version of, uh, so I think it's a Revised Standard Version in my Bible here, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Look to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Then in verse 2 it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, this text here is one that uh, we jump right into, but a text, as Gary says, that always has a pretext, the one that's gone before it, and then one that's uh, text that's gone after it to find out more of the greater concept of the context. And so uh, Galatians chapter 5, it's very familiar with this. It's uh, the filling of the Spirit, 5.18 there, we are to be filled with the Spirit. And it goes down and it shares in Galatians 5.22-23 about the fruits of the Spirit. So in this context, it's much about being a spiritual person. And the Lord wants each of, each of us, you and me, doesn't matter how old we are, little children, older people, whatever, that as we live out the Christian life, it's to be done in and through the power of the Spirit of God. And most of us have uh, been at this for a while. Like I've, I believed in Jesus when I was 12 years old. And I grew up in a Christian family. So uh, I've been a Christian now for 51 years, I guess. So that means I've been around the church for a long time. And I've seen a lot of things. I know a lot of things per se. And so for me to be a Christian for 51 years doesn't necessarily mean that I am a spiritual Christian. It just means that I'm a 50. A Christian that's 51 years old in the Lord, I may be mature, I may not be. I may be spiritual, I may not be spiritual. Uh, maybe I was spiritual for a while when I was in college, and then maybe I just got in lukewarm and just stayed there, or maybe regressed for m much of my life. Because we're a Christian doesn't mean we're a spiritual person. Uh, and that's one thing that the, the Galatians are trying to get at, where Paul's really trying to work at. Okay, how do we maintain that spiritual uh, reality in our lives that we are a truly spirit, a spiritual person growing just because we are Christians doesn't necessarily mean that we are a, a spiritual Christian. We could just be a carnal Christian or just one uh, floating along, so to speak. But Paul wants us to be reminded of that and he wants us to know how to live that Christian life. So Galatians chapter 5 gives us that background. Now, becoming a Christian is an individual decision. That's a decision that you or I, we must make. That's not a decision that my mom made or my father made for me. I have four boys, and I could not make that decision for them. I, I truly, sincerely desire that they will become Christians, 
but that is their decision, and that's not something uh, that I can co- coerce them to be become. That's a decision they have to make on their own. And whenever the time comes that they feel so, and the Holy Spirit just uh, works in their life, then that's what's going to happen in their lives. But the issue of growing in Christ, now that is an, a decision where, yes, it's a personal decision, but then it's a context of the brotherhood and the brethren as we are together with one another. This, the idea of spirituality and uh, personal growth in Jesus Christ has a lot to do with the body of Christ, has a lot to do with brothers and sisters around us. Even though it starts and it begins with individuals, then it, it occurs and it takes place within the context of the body, within the context of the church. The Lord has given the church to, the, to individuals or the individuals to the church for many reasons, but for one, one of the primary reasons is for us to help, help us grow. And I can say absolutely that you, that you, without the body, you cannot grow. I don't think that's an absolute statement. But I think the spirit of the church, the spirit of the teaching of the New Testament, really is about that. I know because I've been uh, ministering in China for many years, many Christians were, uh, were put in jail for many years, like 20-some years. Many, many Christians that... Uh, were before my generation, or our elders, uh, from 1949 to in the 19, early 1950s, or hundreds, thousands were put in jail uh, all by themselves in a solitary confinement uh, in, in China. And many were, were martyred, many died in jail uh, there in China. And they were in individuals, they could not be together with other brothers and sisters, that they were there alone in a jail cell, uh, the only one... Uh, there sometimes they had a Bible, sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they had portions of Scripture, sometimes they didn't. But in those contexts, God is very gracious, and they grew, and they 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 came more and more uh, mature, as we could see. Some of them did get out of jail, and when they came out of jail, they're powerhouses for God, just amazing uh, believers. But that's not the norm. That God is very gracious to allow individuals in certain contexts to grow by themselves. But the general idea of the New Testament is that you grow in community. That we together as believers, when we get together, that's how we grow. That's how the Spirit of God helps you and me to grow up in Jesus Christ. By ourselves, it's very difficult to grow in Jesus Christ. It's not impossible, and it's not something that God won't be gracious to to us and allow provide for us, but his main idea, his main heart for believers is one another. That's why the body of Christ, that's why 1 Corinthians 12, where we get one another together, all the ligaments and the body parts together, we need one another. We basically can't exist without one another. So this, the context of being in a life group, the being in a small group, being in an accountability group, being in some kind of a, of a smaller group, where we have mutual accountability, mutual uh, sharing with one another. That's where the optimum growth is going to be able to come from. It's, it's not an absolute, but that's the, the heart of the, the New Testament teaching about gr- gathering together in the smaller groups and the, the main purposes of that. So when we come into uh, chapter 6 here, uh, Paul is bringing us here. He says, brethren, and again, that's believers. I think our context is clear. 
It's not talking about unbelievers at this point. And today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, I really encourage you to believe in Jesus today. Don't wait any longer. You've waited long enough. You've waited long enough. Do it today, man. Don't wait. You're missing out on too, too, too much. I mean, there is, it's so, so cool to be a believer. Now, I know that there are a lot of sad stories and a lot of heart, heartbreaking stories that come out of the church and come out of persons. I know that that is true, and that's a fact of life. I've been around a long time in many, many places. But remember the first few days, the first few moments when you were born again. If you can think back to those days, you wouldn't trade that for a million dollars. And that experience and that reality is for every person. We experience that in Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus, he forgives our sins. Everything we have ever done will do. And when we experience that in our personal lives, you, money, things cannot satisfy though that, that understanding, that experience of knowing that Jesus Christ saved you from all your sins and that you have eternal life right now and forever with him. What a glorious thing. And the idea about Christmas, about Jesus coming, and about that gift of Jesus Christ, I tell you, there's nothing better than that. Don't let people, don't let experience, don't let tradition or whatever cloud you from that. There is life and there is reality in Jesus Christ. It's not his problem. The problems are our problems. The one that clouds it up, the one that messes it up, it's not Jesus, it's us. Just always keep that clear in your mind. But we come back here, says brethren. That means you and me. We come here today as believers in Jesus Christ. We kind of are leveled out in this playing field, so to speak. And it's not talking about, okay, you know, like Gary and me or some others. Maybe we've been to many years of seminary. We've preached or taught, you know, we're professional Christians or whatever doing this. And it's not talking about Gary and me. It's not talking about elders. It's not talking about deacons. It's not talking about Sunday school teachers. It's talking about brothers and sisters, you and me. We come to this equally. So when we come in here, when Paul approaches us, here in what he's talking about, if any man is overtaken to any trespass. So then for me, I go back. I have my Greek New Testament here. So I'm looking at the Greek, kind of what it says along with the English here. Now, when it says, if any man, then we think right away because in English, well, okay, who is it? You know, who's out there. But when Paul writes, there are many different ways, actually four different ways to write this, the concept of if. Well, in this one, it's the third concept. And maybe there's a person out here, maybe there isn't. So Paul is not coming to this with a, with a person in mind. When Paul wrote this down, he just writes a principle. And so he, he doesn't have any one particular person in mind. He just said, here's a principle for if somebody, a believer is out here, and that believer, it says a man in mind, but it's just, just a common, common concept of uh, sister, brother, male or female, it doesn't really matter. Here, if any person is overtaken, and then the word for overtaken is like caught by surprise, is what it's the, the uh, original word for it. And I'm not sure what it says in your text there, but <clears throat> this is a bit different here, and I'm going to make a more reference, is overtaken in a trespass. Now, some of us read sin into that immediately. But there are many different words for sin, and this is one of them, actually. 
you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 has that text right there, the word trespass there. But then it's not the main word for sin. Harmatano means to fall, to come short of the glory of God, Romans. There, that word, it's not this word right here. So many of us, when we read this, is, and if any man, any believer is, is caught in a sin, and that, this is meaning like a real blatant thing. But think about what he's saying here. If any man is overtaken, something is by surprise. Now, it's not, so we're going to think, okay, then does this mean that uh, I just, believe, okay, I know that it's wrong to uh, go down and go 100 miles an hour down on uh, I-90 down here. It doesn't matter what, I'm just going to go 100 miles an hour. I know that, that that's wrong, I'm just going to go go do it. Okay, that's a blatant thing. I'm not going into that by it just okay. I just happened to do it. <laughs> I just happened to, you know, put put my foot pedal down too much, and here I am going a hundred miles an hour down down I nine or down Basin Street. That's that's something that I do on purpose. Okay. Well, what this is co- talking about the the context is about okay. Just something comes up on me. Something comes up on you that you're just going along, and all of a sudden you find yourself oh. Here I am doing something that's not quite right. You're overtaken in the concept. It's not something real, overt, or uh, purposeful. Now, maybe it could be, but I think the the general idea here, what he's getting at is something that just kind of sneaks up on you. Now, if it does kind of sneak up on you, then that has the inference that you're not really intentionally about it. You're not really intentionally trying to do this. There's something that you're just in a habit of, maybe, or something you just all of a sudden came into your life and caught you by surprise, and here you are tripping up, because that's what the, the, the word trespass means, trip up or fall down, or you trip over something. So what I'm thinking it's getting at is not a direct in, intentional sin. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, we often use that for church discipline. And that text in Matthew uh, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, that says the word sin. If anyone sins, in that one, a purposeful sin. The person in, in Matthew chapter 18 is on purpose. He or she is doing something on purpose. I'm doing this as sinful, and I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to do it. And then what we are as a church are to do, we're to go one-on-one, go individually, go see the person, and and confront them about that. If that doesn't work, bring two or three more people. If that doesn't work, then they still don't listen to you. Then to bring it before the whole church and excommunicate them or put them under church discipline, something like that. I mean, that's a real apparent, obvious sinning of the will of the heart is into it. But the, the one in Galatians chapter 6, what Paul is trying to, infer, trying to teach about here, is something that comes into your life, to my life, and it catches us up. Now, could that happen to me as a missionary? It sure could. Now, it's not likely that I'm going to go out and um, go get, you know, abused alcohol or drugs. It's not too likely. I don't like alcohol, the taste of it. I'm not into drugs of any kind. I don't take any pills at all. So it's not likely I'm going to do something like that. What's likely going to happen to me? That's right. My head's going to get big. That's what's likely going to happen to me. My sin or my, my trespass thingy, 
is likely all get a big head. Yeah, Paul's got all these churches in China. Paul's doing all this kind of stuff. And uh, look at all the Chinese he can talk and the Greek and the whatever, you know, doing the PhD and all this stuff. That that's likely where I'm going to trip up at. Now, am I going to really easily see myself going into that type of a sin? I don't think so. I think my eyes will be too blinded to really see what's going on. For me, it's going to require a David Mayhew. It's going to require a Stephen Mayhew, my sons. It's going to require Dave Gossett. It's going to require Denise Hewitt around me and maybe even her daughter, Emma. They're in our life group. It's going to require people like that that know me, that are watching me in context of life and see, oh, Paul's moved from, he was over here and now he's kind of moving, just sloughing along, just kind of just sliding along. And all of a sudden he gets caught. He can't, he's not catching himself that he has been caught because the word here is, if any man is overtaken, it's a passive verb. That means something that I don't do on my own, my own active thing. It's something that happens to me. Now, I don't know if that makes any sense in my illustration here, but it's not something that I set out to do, to get proud and to become sinful in my pride before you or before other people. It just kind of happened. And what is going to be the helpful context to get me out of that, to save me from that? Yes, pride maybe in that sense is, yes, I'm not meeting up with any hookers or doing all that kind of stuff. I'm not going out getting drunk, and I'm not taking drugs, and I'm not selling you know, stuff on the black market or whatever. I'm not doing any of that blatant kind of thing, but I'm in pride, the sin of pride there, or the trespass of pride anyhow. So what context is going to help me to kind of open my eyes to where I'm really at? Because if you ask me, well, it seems, seems okay to me because I've been just gradually into it. Then it says, you who are spiritual should restore him or this person in a spirit of gentleness. Now, if there is such a person, if it happens to be that there's a person that does get into some type of a trespass or problem here, a sin, then what are we to do about it? Oh, pray for them. Yeah, just turn them over to the Lord. God will, God is, God is their leader. God is their Lord. Jesus is their Lord. Jesus will take care of them. Is this what the text says? It does not say that, does it? I think it infers that, no problem. But it does not really say that. It says, you who are spiritual, then you go... And help them. There. And in fact, it uses the word restore the person. So first of all, it says you who are spiritual. Now, what are we talking about being spiritual? Oh, just you who are elders. You who are deacons. You who are the 
okay, like the paid professionals like Gary and me, you guys are the ones to go restore these persons. Is that right? So, okay, Dan Carter, he sees somebody out here in the, uh, the congregation that's kind of sloughed, you know, into something that's really not appropriate and is not helping them, not helping the body, not helping Jesus' name. So he comes over to Paul and says, Paul, you've been to seminary a long time. You're a missionary. Paul, how about you go over and help set those people straight? How about how? How, 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 how would that be? <laughs> would that, is that the right way to do Is that what the text is saying? No, it's saying you who are spiritual. And at this point, it's not talking about how long a person's believed. Okay, I've been a believer 51 years. Some of you here have been a believer longer than that. Some of you have been shorter. Does it really matter how long you've been a believer? It's not really saying that, is it? Okay, if you're a woman, then you can go. If you're a man, then you can go. Or if you're a child, then you can go. Or if you're an older person, you can go. Is that what it's saying? The principle is you who are spiritual. So the spiritual one, that's who is responsible. Now, first of all, how would I know that Dan's friend is in having problems? How would I come to know that in this, this idea, this, this illustration? Well, first of all, I wouldn't know it because I'm not in context, right? It happens that Dan is in context with this person. Now, just thinking, just, just humanistically saying, okay... Here, Paul, okay, Dan comes and say, Paul, would you go straighten this person out? Okay. Uh, and we're not talking about big, hairy sins, right? We're not talking about drinking, you know, and, uh, and killing people and stealing and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about these kind of shady things that they just got tripped up in, okay? So, Dan comes to get Paul to go do this. When, okay, I'll go with you. I'm brave. I'll go with you. I'm courageous. I'll go. Now, the likelihood of that person hearing me and being willing to change, the likelihood of that is about what? Out of, out of 100% would be 50%? Maybe. It's, I would say not even that. I would say maybe 10 to 20%, something like that. Maybe. Maybe if they heard the Paul, Paul Mayhew, maybe they give me a little bit of respect for being a missionary, something like that, give me a hearing. But other than that, they don't know anything. I don't know anything about what their situation is. But Dan... If Dan goes to talk to them, humanly speaking, the likelihood of having a hearing is much greater because he is in life context with them. Now, in life context with a person, that's why we're talking about this and why I'm encouraging here application of this text to be in life group, be in small group. Okay, maybe you don't want to be in a life group uh, that we have here. Okay, maybe you don't like... The term life group, I don't know. Maybe you don't like this idea of, of have to do everything that everybody says from the top down. Okay, maybe you don't like that. But the idea of being together in small group and being accountable to one another in this life context, in some type of an smaller group, that's a must. That's not an option. If you want to live your life independently, then you better talk to Jesus because Jesus didn't save you into the body to live independently. Jesus saved you into the body to live interdependently with one another together. So, you who are spiritual, then in a context, because you do have a context to talk with, to go. The, the idea of spirituality comes, I think, in the back context, Galatians 5, 
22, 23, and then 24, 25 right there. It all helps if, if you are walking in Christ, then if you're in Christ and you'll walk in the Spirit and walk in the, the power of the Spirit of God, it's not talking about how long you have been a Christian. It's talking about right now. Is your life being filled with the Spirit of God day by day consistently in your present lifestyle right now? That's who is being spiritual. It's not about how long you've been a Christian. That might help in some respects, give you more, more experience or something, but it, mean, it does not mean that you're spiritual. The one who is spiritual, that's the person who goes to talk. We're not talking about some organizational steps to go through. It's something that you who are currently right now being filled with the Spirit day by day, walking intimately with Jesus right now, then you go and talk to that person because you know about what's going on. Restore. The, the concept of restore is different ideas. Sometimes mending, mending nets and the net gets broken or maybe you're a doctor and the arm, arm gets broken. You have to set your arm back, set the bone back. That's what the idea of of restoring means, but it helps to put it back to original idea. With me, if you'd catch me in my the uh, spiritual pride and that type of an idea, then to set me back, to restore me, would restore me to go back to where I'm humble before Jesus, humble before you, that that would be restoring me back to a, a natural order, a natural uh, type of an idea here in this kind of a context. Now, and with a spirit of gentleness. The gentleness is not just being meek and mild. Say, if you wanted to set me straight, and I'm in some type of spiritual pride, and you see it coming coming on, you've been watching me for a number of weeks, a number of months now, and you say, this has gone along, long enough. You gotta, Paul, you, I've got to go set you straight, get you back to where you were originally, where you're back humbly walking with Jesus. Whoever of you that wants to do that, and you're welcome to do that anytime, really. Welcome to come and to talk into my life. But you, when you come to set me straight, to restore me, to go back to where I should be, then what is your responsibility besides being spiritual? Gentleness. How you come about it. Say, Paul... You are being a jerk. How you're acting is da 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 da, and you just come at, come down on me, you know, hack me to death. That's not really maybe appropriate. <laughs> I would take it a little bit better if you had been nicer about it, all right. But come in gentleness. And the reason it's saying gentleness here is because if you're so spiritual then maybe you'll have a problem in spiritual pride, thinking you're so much better than me. Right? Using this illustration, there's a, there's a, a temptation. There's a, it's very easy to cross that border right there in that issue, dealing with this type of sin. You who are spiritual come in a spirit of gentleness because, then it goes on to say, look to yourself. I mean, really look. And that's the word scope. We, as hunters, we like the word scope. Okay, when you put the scope on it, you really zero in and you can see what, how many points the deer has, the buck has, and all that kind of stuff. Look into it, lest you to be tempted. That is so easy for each one of us. Doesn't matter how old we are, and it doesn't. It does matter if we're spiritual. But even if we're spiritual, as we're being spiritual, when we come and do these things, we still need to be very careful about it. Now. 
This is something that we don't do very often, I think. Right? How many times have you gone and confronted somebody in your spiritual life? Well, most of us, I guess, I just kind of get sick. I mean, I my stomach starts boiling around. My hands are freezing cold. I I really, I actually want to run the opposite way. I hate con- confrontation. Most of us, I think, are like that. And most of us are feel like, hey, I'm no better than they are. I mean, what they're doing is not half as bad as probably what I'm doing, what I'm thinking. Who knows? So most of us just kind of like say, no, I'm just going to con- take care of myself. That's, if I can take care of myself, that'll be enough. Well, brothers and sisters, we understand that. I understand that. You understand that. But are we really, as we're thinking those thoughts, are we really thinking the thoughts of Jesus here? Jesus taught us through Paul's writings. That's why he saved us into a body. Because he wants you, he wants me, he wants us to change. He wants us to become more like Jesus. And I'll tell you, doing it by yourself, you are very biased. You only see a certain few things. Without brothers and sisters around us, we will be very inhibited in truly conforming to the image of Christ. It's not about how fearful I am about confronting others. It's not about me. It's not about those feelings. It's about how can I help my brother, my sister, help those persons to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're here about. Jesus saved you and me into the church, into the body, into community, so that we can become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Not keep going down our biased, our own way of life thinking and life acting. Becoming a believer, we become, we are to become more like Jesus. That is the whole goal of this thing. Besides glorifying God, I mean, that's what we're about, is daily changing to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ here. So, brothers and sisters, as Paul is sharing... The idea in the communication, he says, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. That we come alongside and we take up the load that each of you are carrying. Further down in the text, it mentions this again, verse 5. For each man will have his own, have to bear his own load. There's a great illustration out in China about this because kids wear backpacks from the time they're three years old. They're book packs. They carry them to school every day. And I was in a school for 20-some years. Uh, there was a pastor, a chaplain. And there's a great difference between a three-year-old's book backpack and a senior in high school. They were in the same school. The senior in high school had these huge books, huge books. And they carried those backpacks with them back and forth every day. The three-year-old carries their backpack back and forth every day, but it's little. It's about that big. They are not meant to carry the senior's backpack. They carry their own three-year-old pack. That's their responsibility. They're not supposed to carry the seniors. Same with you and me. 
we have our own backpack. We have our own burden that we bear. You're responsible to carry your weight. That's right. As we say, carry your own weight type of thing. That's true. But many times, many things happen to us in our lives that put the backpack heavier and bigger. So the idea of bearing one another's burdens, yes, I am to bury my, carry my own weight. Yes, I am. But you and we have all kinds of tough stuff happen around us all the time that's heavier than what, we can, that what we're built for. That's why we have brothers and sisters to help us carry the load. You can think of many illustrations right now in this room where the load is heavy on, in everyone almost sitting around here. Every one of us have our own backpack, but every, almost every one of us in this room have the load that's heavier than what is really originally ours. My wife right now, has the 30-year-old the niece, is dying of brain cancer. Three weeks ago, they found out. Okay. Diana prays for her and is concerned for her as her niece, but now th- her 30-year-old niece has terminal brain cancer. The backpack just got a lot bigger, Right? She's doing her own responsibility, but now the backpack is huge. So we as a body, what, we do, what do we do? Bear one another's burdens. You're bearing the burden and praying for her and, and all the notes and stuff coming into her. So that kind of stuff we're, we're doing and we're living this out here. Bear one another's burdens and we will fill the law of Christ. Loving one another. Becoming more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Life in the church is life in community. Life in the church is all about us, not about me. Right? We know that. Today, I've just given a little reminder, maybe. But this is something... that okay like I definitely give each one of you permission to speak into my life anytime you want to without me giving you the permission you're going to be afraid to come and talk to me so I give you the permission right here because I want to become more like Jesus I don't want to live in my own sin I don't want to be caught in my own type of a sin not that I maybe I am but I don't think I am you know you guys see much clearer than me. But this concept of I'm giving you the permission, then we're in the body together. You come anytime you want. Without this type of an idea of the body, of mutual interaction, this, of us being really able to live out this text, if anyone is caught in a trespass, if we don't have this concept in our mind of being able to, to be with one another, we're not going to be able to live this out well, if at all. When you're in life context with, with one another, in the smaller groups, whatever, then this op, the option, the opportunities for to us to live this out to a greater degree, to become more like Jesus, is even greater. My push for application is today, if you're not in a life group, we've got Bill right there. Raise your hand high, please. And right up here, Brother Foz, right up here. Raise your hand, please. These guys are the elders in charge of life groups. 
Go see them. If you're not in a life group and would like to be one or find more about it, it'd be great to go see them. And there are a number of life group leaders in here that if you want to go see us, that would be uh, fine as well. Those of you who are a life group leader, would you please raise your hand right, right now so you can kind of see who's a little bit higher. Okay, so here, here are the ones that are life group leaders, and if you're not in one, you'd like to just find more about it, come and see us as well. That would be great. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer, please. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are very thankful, so, so uh, grateful to you that you left heaven's glory and you came down here on earth. Lord Jesus, you came down to save us from our sins, and that you surely did. We are very thankful. And we have the great privilege in this age to be in the church. You saved us to be in the church and set us in the church, gifted us in all those good things. You put us in life with one another. Lord Jesus, we are very thankful and we are so grateful for that. Jesus, we do love you and we want to love you more. It is our heart's desire, our sincere desire. Protect us from ourselves, Lord. For many times we are so biased that we don't see where we are living selfishly or where we are living really in disobedience to you. We need one another to help us. Not just to set us straight, but we want to become more like you, Lord Jesus. As an individual and as a body, we desire that our body here at Grace Point, we become more like you, Lord Jesus. That our life really exemplifies you. We desire with the, the passion that you have for us and the passion for the world, the lost people. We desire that to be a part of our lives, Lord Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll have your, your perfect way and, a, and the opportunity to move in our hearts and our lives with great freedom. Allow us to be as clean vessels so that you may truly receive this unadulterated glory and praise coming through and from our lives. And may our lives be ones that, that impact other people when they look at us, when they come up next to us, that they say, wow, there is something different about these people. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray that we're just not strange. We pray that we have the, the fragrance of our Lord Jesus Christ in and about us. Lord Jesus, have your way in us. And may your spirit move mightily among us for your glory. And we do want to praise you and thank you. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.